Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Marcella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Folks, as we are covering, and many have been covering, Joe Madison's hunger strike, which is well over two months, his hunger strike for voting rights. Some of my sisters and brothers in ministry, Christian faith, have decided to take up that cross as well. We have several very special guests with us who started this hunger strike. First of all, the chair of Faith for Black Lives, our friend and brother, the Reverend Stephen A. Green. He's a pastor of St. Luke AME in Harlem as well. We also have with us the Reverend Dr. Cassandra Gould, executive director of Missouri Faith Voices, and the Reverend James Wesley Dennis III, senior pastor at Pine Grove AME and Church, AME Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This is the AME hour, so to speak. And uh, we welcome our sisters and brothers. Thank you all for being here. How's everybody doing? I'm doing Reverend well. Green? This is day four. Uh, oh, no, day, day five. Day five. Day five. Day five. Of our day five. As, as you can tell, uh, that is day five. You can't uh, keep, track, keep up with the days, right? Track. I can't keep track. <laughs> <laughs> we just trying to get to the day they vote on these voting rights so we can we can break this fast. But I'm, I'm renewed. I mean, we have a, a wide orchestra of faith leaders from across the country who are truly giving me strength and the support from our allies and partners across the nation and really throughout the world uh, helps us to recognize that this is truly a moral moment. So I'm just glad to be here, glad to be in the struggle with everyone. Reverend Green, you you kind of pulled everybody together for this anyway. You were the one who really envisioned this, correct? Yes. Uh, I was inspired by um, our dear brother Joe Madison, as you mentioned, as well as the Arizona young leaders who went on strike um, uh, for voting rights at the end of the year. And I figured that the nation needed to hear from his faith leaders as it relates to uh, this crisis impacting our democracy. And so we, we kicked this off on January the 6th, the date of the insurrection, to connect the dots that the insurrection continues, the, the coup continues. And um, as moral leaders, as faith leaders from across the country, uh, it is it is encumbering upon us to recognize that this is a moral issue, not a Democrat or Republican issue, not a, uh, a blue or red issue, but this is an issue that, that impacts the soul of our nation. And so uh, I was inspired and I picked up the phone 
phone, sent emails, and here we are uh, five days into this hunger strike with over 25 uh, clerics, clergy uh, <laughs> participating uh, in this. Uh, Dr. Dennis, you feeling this? I see you raising your hand for the five, huh? Yeah, I'm feeling it, man. I, I'm a big boy. And uh, food <laughs> is a consistent factor in my life. So, <laughs> so five days um, for something as noble as this is 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 an honor. But you can feel it. You do feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you how are you making out, um, Doctor Dennis? What what do you what do you do? And you, and you, like Joe, you all are taking in liquids, right? right Just not right, right, solid yeah. food. Essentially, uh, the water of the movement, right? Uh, have, have you did you check with your any of you check did you dr dennis let me start with you did you check with your doctor yes before yes. doing this mm -hmm. i had a conversation with um our family doctor just to let him know that uh i'm fasting and doing this moral demonstration for justice and so i'm going without food for the next couple of days and um he gave me some great advice some strategies as well as some recipes for some smoothies and um, wanted to just make sure I stayed hydrated and that I rest uh, during these moments. And so, um, you know, last night, what was funny in our um, nightly meeting, a lot of people said, you know what, as soon as this Zoom call is over, we're all going to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that rest, um, you know, it, it, it's strengthening. It's strengthening. And you don't have to think about eating while you're asleep. So, um yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Cassandra Gould, I won't mention this person, but some one of y'all in the group, a member in another state reached out to me, said, uh, Remark, I don't know about my pastor being on this hunger strike. I said, why you say that? He said, he, he didn't have as much energy in the pulpit yesterday as he normally had. <laughs> I'm serious. Somebody texted me that last night. I said, oh, Lord. But uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Gould, uh, talk to us about this, though. I mean, Obviously, it's going to have an effect. You're going to be tired. But from your point of view, uh, talk to us about why even theologically this is something we must do. Yeah. So two things. Um, and that, and I'm glad it was a brother because I, I used all the energy yesterday. <laughs> no, it was a brother. It was definitely uh, brother. <laughs> you know, Dr. Barber talks about it being like inheriting a spiritual man mantle of being a child of the South. Uh, being born at a certain period of time. I'm wearing this shirt that I got about 10 of these shirts. Um, my mother, I'm from a little town, Demopolis, Alabama, 47 miles west of Selma. You know Selma, you might not know Demopolis. Uh, I spent the last week of the year, last year there and a few days into the year of this year. Uh, I grew up with the stories of my mother uh, on that bridge, my mother who didn't have a driver's license, who left me at home when I was one years old. And my father used to say, you can't trust your mama because she will leave you and go to jail. Uh, and she did that. And I remember asking her, you know, the, the kid question, right? I'm black, you got the picture of Dr. King in the living room. Mama, did you march with Dr. King? And she said, I was there when Dr. King was still thinking about it. Um, and so for me, it's, it's theological, but it's also ancestral, right? Um, Leaving Demopolis, flying out of Atlanta, we crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I've crossed that bridge probably a hundred times at, at a minimum. I got a million pictures of the bridge, been on it at all the symbolic moments. But the spirit said, take a picture. So I, I wasn't driving. I grabbed my purse. I take a picture. And I came. This was Tuesday. I come home and I just sit and look at that picture in my phone for about an hour. It was a part of my meditation. Right. My mother's no mm. longer with us. 
And um, Wednesday morning, I got the email from my brother. And I was like, that's why I'm just like sitting, you know, with this bridge, right? Um, and so for me, it is something that I cannot not do, right? Well, um, from a theological standpoint, we serve a God of, of inclusion. I run a multi-faith organization and, um, you know, we always ask people, what does your God say? What does your faith say about intentionally leaving out any of the creator's children? And so for me, this is, you know, it, I, I've been doing this. Uh, it was natural. And I believe that uh, my time, I, I was pressed to just go to Demopolis, went by myself, spent time with some of the elders. And uh, I believe that that was God preparing me uh, for this moment. So I can not do it. Uh, Reverend right. Dennis, you're not the only one that like to eat, right? Uh, but I take it as an honor and I'm paying home homage uh, to my mom, to John Lewis, amen. and so many other countless names. Yeah, amen, amen. Very well said. So, Reverend Green, what are you, what are you hearing about this vote and how imminent it is? If it's, if it's imminent at all, I must say I'm, I'm worried um, whether this is is going to happen. Hopefully, our prayers and are praying with our feet and now um, with this hunger strike will make it so, but but what are you hearing, if anything? Well, I'm, I'm hearing and cautiously optimistic. I think that uh, the Senator, uh, the Majority Leader, Senator Schumer's uh, dear colleague letter last week uh, stated that they would hold a vote on the rule change if the Republicans continue to block the bill on or before King Day. And so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we will continue to hold the U.S. Senate to that date, to that deadline. I think that the president's uh, plan, president and vice president's planned address in Georgia tomorrow is a good sign that the White House is putting all of their energy behind passing this pivotal legislation. Uh, but I, I'm seeing that we are not at a no yet. I think the door is still open. I think that um, they would have pulled this and moved on to something else if they did not believe or anticipate that they are able to move towards some type of reconciliation by next Monday. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, Joe, Joe Manchin is not uh, in the affirmative on record yet, but he is not uh, has not closed the door. And I think that, that that little sliver of hope, that crack in the door is what is giving us the energy and the hope to continue to move forward. But recognizing that this is our last week, we, we have seven days to really save democracy, to save mm. the planet. You know what I mean? Because if we, if we withdraw to authoritarianism and fascism, we're talking about a crisis of climate, a crisis of the country, and a crisis truly in the soul of, of our planet. And so we, we are really you know, calling upon all of our spiritual power, the spiritual power, the ancestors to really uh, shift and move the hearts of decision makers uh, at this time. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, on one side, you have uh, the ambivalence of a, of a White House that is not uh, that we have not seen dig deep into this fight as of yet, as we as we know that they can, as we know that they can have address uh, infrastructure, as we know they have tried to push Build Back Better. So tomorrow we'll hopefully recognize that we'll see a turning point uh, in in the in the ferociousness of this administration to fight uh, this this threat to our democracy. Reverend Dennis, you actually a pastor in the state that is most responsible for Joe Biden being elected president. 
And one of the things that the conversation that has been going on in a lot of places where people voted for Joe Biden and made it possible for him to become president, they're saying, well, wait a minute, what do we get in return for that? Yeah. He, he has a do. Is, is that is that the sentiment in South Carolina? That is the sentiment um, in South Carolina and especially among the people that I pastor is that we're waiting for some type of return. Um, and that's, you know, I have two reasons why I'm doing uh, this fast. One is to hold uh, this administration accountable uh, for all the promises that they uh, made to our community, our African-American community um, in terms of getting elected, especially here in South Carolina, a state that's overwhelmingly supported Joe Biden in this administration with African-American votes. And so I, we, we do believe that Joe Biden owes us um, something, if anything, and, and this something looks like protecting the right to vote for African-American citizens. Um, and so um, this fast for me, I, I don't want to call it a fast. It's a moral demonstration hmm. um, for moral leadership around the issues of voting, voting rights. Um, so this demonstration for me is my way of holding this administration accountable. I, I, I refuse to believe that in a nation like America, where this nation has enshrined basic civil rights in a constitution, um, I, just, I just think it's asinine that people have to give up food and put their bodies on the line to ensure that those civil liberties and those rights are protected. Um, and so this is my way of holding this administration accountable to those words that they themselves did not write, but their forebearers did. Yeah. More MIP after this message. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, Reverend Dr. Cassandra Gould, when we think about sacrificing food, I mean, that also relates to our democracy and our right to vote. If, if we had full voting rights, we could elect people to office that are more concerned about those of us who are hungry in the first place. I mean, this same Senate that is stalling on voting rights is also stalling on Build Back Better. Uh, the very Senator uh, Manchin and, you know, as, as Reverend Green knows, I, I've been to West Virginia. I went to West Virginia in 2021 more times I have been in my life. Uh, not a pleasant experience. Y'all want to see real poverty and see poor white folks because a lot of folks don't think white folks are poor. Um, and white folks so poor, they glad to see black folks come help them. We get off the plane. We, we got to talk to you. Like, whoa, what I do? No, you didn't do nothing. We want to tell you what we dealing with is poor white folks. That being the case, in a way, securing, being on a hunger strike to secure the right to vote affects everything even people's well-being, the, the Build Back Better. All the people that would benefit from Build Back Better in West Virginia alone, Joe Manchin, won't even do that. He won't even help those people. Yeah, that, you know, we, when we talk about the, the theological mandate, you know, we're all Christian pastors. And so, you know, when I was hungry, did you take away my access to get the food, right? Uh, when I was thirsty, did you cut off the water line? And literally by not ensuring that all of God's children have an opportunity to uh, literally cast that uh, vote at the ballot box. The ballot box is the place, the one place, the one place that despite the zip code that you might live in, despite your educational accomplishments or lack thereof or your color, it's the ballot box that we all still just get one vote. Right. 
And yeah. so yeah. literally by denying this, we got in order to build back better, we got to have access to the ballot box, right? We have yeah. to have access yeah. to democracy so that we might vote in folk that uh, represent some form of morality that will at least be cognizant and mindful on both sides of the aisle. Because Manchin is an example that all of it's wrong, right? On both sides of the aisle that will look out for the least of these in all of our states. Yeah, no question about it. Lastly, Reverend uh, Stephen A. Green, um, this, what is what is your thinking about going forward? If worst case scenario, they can't do this by Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, will you all go on? Will you all go on indefinitely? We have been talking about ways to escalate after the 17th if our demands are not met by the U.S. Senate to pass pivotal voting rights legislation. That could look like a number of different ways. It could look like uh, transitioning into um, arrestable actions. Uh, it could look like demonstrations throughout the country, nonviolent disruptions. Uh, so we, we will continue to escalate uh, and draw the attention to the severity of uh, of the right to vote in this crisis affecting our democracy. But I think, Reverend Mark, what we're, what we're trying to say, and the reason why we are doing a hunger strike now is because we have exhausted uh, a lot of our tools and tactics and nonviolence uh, in 2021. You know, we you were there when we were going to jail and in front of the Capitol uh, all summer, uh, going to West Virginia, mobilizing folks. And so what we're truly stating is that the deadline for our democracy is January the 17th. Mm. Uh, and so if, if, the, if the government refuses to vote to protect the right to vote, they have decided to relinquish the authority of the United States government to protect all of its citizens. And so uh, we, we're holding the line on the 17th to, to, to force the vote um, and for the Senate to do their job. Uh, and so we're talking about uh, faith leaders from across the nine major black denominations across our partnering affiliate uh, organizations and denominations. This is waking up the entire apparatus of the black church. And if we decide to move in a different direction, uh, because we, we will take this, the, the denial of the vote on the 17th will be a failure of the Democratic Party. So they're going to have to find a new way to talk to us come October and November. They're going to have to find right. a new strategy to engage the black church, which is the base of the Democratic Party. Uh, and so, you know, we, we are putting everything uh, on the line uh, on on this uh, on this on the, with this hunger strike to cause uh, the, the nation to wake up uh, and to address this crisis at the soul of our democracy. More MIP after this message. Well, I'm be very honest with y'all. Um, what kind of way can they talk to us? Isn't that going to be anything they can say? And, and really not going to be much we can say because this is existential. The, the laws that um, that a Senate bill would prevent are gerrymandering us and suppressing us out of the ballot box. So there's really, I, I, I don't, there's nothing they, they can say. And frankly, again, allies of ours who work in the voting rights spaces, who, who register voters and get to vote out like this just happened in Georgia, they're all saying they can't go back to people and ask them to do what they did in November 2020 and have any more credibility. And I don't think we can either. So it, it's 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 amazing to me. It's, it's, it's almost as if um, uh, uh, Rem Green, there's an element that wants to lose. Mm. Am, am I? 
Am I wrong in saying that? I mean, it's just baffling to me. Well, it seems that way. You know, it seems as though that they are walking a line that would suggest that these are normal times. You know, and I'm like, what we need is a a a president who recognizes that not not only do you need to be trying to be FDR, somebody needs to be trying to be Abraham Lincoln and recognize that we're in a civil war. You know, like you you somebody has to recognize that the, the severity of the times. You're talking about voter suppression, voter gerrymandering, and the Supreme Court, which has a firm partisan gerrymandering, right, with the recent decisions of 2019, the gutting of Shelby v. Holder and Section 4 and 5 now uh, with the Blokovich piece in Arizona. I mean, we're talking about a Supreme Court that has uh, gone to the side of fascism already. No one wants to acknowledge that. Like The the Supreme Court is locked into the majority of of conservative uh, justices right now who are uh, creating the climate for us to have to fight for voting rights. And so if you have a a Supreme Court, one branch of the government, and now the legislative branch is telling us that they too will not affirm voting rights, and all you have is the executive branch, you have lost uh, the democracy. Right. And so yeah. we, that is the, the the legislative branch must stand with the executive branch now in affirming uh, the right to vote for all citizens in this country. Or we will see ourselves become uh, like Hitler uh, in Nazi Germany uh, in the 1940s. And we're going to need some Bonhoeffers to raise up. <laughs> um, how would you like Reverend Green, the audience, to support this effort? Well, we would invite um the audience and faith leaders particularly and all who are a conscientious objectors to the status quo to join us at strikeforvotingrights.com strikeforvotingrights.com uh, to sign up to join us as a day striker sign up to commit to calling your united states senator call the u.s capitol switchboard uh, we should be blowing up the phone lines in district of our United States senators, all of them, all 100 of them are morally culpable uh, in the crisis that we're we're facing. Uh, and to continue, uh, most importantly, to lift our hunger strikers up in prayer uh, and good vibes or good, good thoughts, however one wishes to in their spiritual or non-spiritual traditions to keep uh, the strikers in our prayers and in, in their thoughts and prayers. This is a, a spiritual, sacred, journey and we're on this journey and i mean last night was a tough night for me i I had headaches galore i could i could almost not sleep and i had to uh go to the scripture um where 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 we learned that you will hunger and thirst after righteousness and so i turned my hunger pains into hunger prayers as i Mm. began to pray for pray for this nation and pray for the soul of our democracy. And so uh, praying, supporting us by calling the U.S. senators uh, and also by joining us in solidarity uh, in support of this strike will be extremely helpful in this time. That's Reverend Stephen A. Green, folks, pastor of St. Luke AME in Harlem, also chair of Faith for Black Lives. Also with us, Reverend Dr. Cassandra Gould, executive director of Missouri Faith Voice. Am I, is you say, do I say Missouri or Missouri? What you say, Cassandra? The people who don't vote for voting rights live in Missouri. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. I like that. Uh, and also with us, the senior pastor of Pine Grove AME in Columbia, South Carolina, James Wesley Dennis the Third, Reverend Dr. James Wesley Dennis the Third. Thank you all. We are praying uh, your strength. We are thankful for what you are doing. Folks, pray for these uh, pastors. Pray, pray for these good people in the clergy 
pray for their congregations and pray for all those who are standing with them. We must do something. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, also joining us on this hunger strike, those who are in the clergy, we're happy to have with us the pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ, Otis Moss III, the pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, Jamal Harrison Bryant, and of course, with United Church of Christ, our dear friend, Reverend Tracy Blackman. Good afternoon uh, to all of you. Thank you for joining us. Um, let's start with you, Reverend Tracy. How you how you feeling? How you handling this? How many days have you gone without? Well, we started on the sixth. I'm not counting because that will um, put my mind in the wrong place. <laughs> um, but I'm doing OK. I'm doing OK. What, tell us what was your path to getting to this decision, making this decision to do this? You know, um, I would say, Reverend Mark, it really wasn't uh, so much a path. Reverend Green called, and when he spoke it out loud, it sounded right. Um, right. Uh, so I didn't even have to give it much thought. Um, I have some grief over the fact that this is 2022, and we're still having to do things to secure the right to vote uh, for for non-white people. Um, so that grieves me some, but it felt right. Whatever we can do to call attention uh, to this travesty, we need to do that. And the urgency of the moment made it an immediate yes. Yeah, yeah. Reverend Otis Moss, in, in, from your point of view, how important is this and why too have you made this decision this is not a small thing to to go without food well similar to to reverend tracy uh, it was reverend stephen green who chairs the uh, faith for black locks in in harlem new york who reached out also a morehouse college brother and i thought it was also something that was incredibly important but we have witnessed over the last several years this rollback pushback around voter suppression, which has been continual. We've been in this continual fight as people of, of African descent. And where, where Jamal is in, in Georgia, there's been this strange history around voting rights. Um, my grandfather in 1947 attempted to vote and went to three different polling places, was denied the right to vote. He's a World War II veteran, sharecropper. But it was the governor Governor Talmadge, this is interesting, mm. who was stating that he wanted to have voter integrity to keep voter fraud from Negroes. So Negroes would not vote. So he was promising the Democratic Party that if I'm elected, no Negro will ever vote in another primary. This is a continual fight that we're that we're a part of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And an absolutely necessary one. Uh, Brother Jamal, um, you are in Georgia. Uh, Biden's on his way to speak in Georgia. But I mean, literally, and this is a cliche, it seems to me kind of like talk is kind of cheap. He's ahead of the party. How How is it that he's able or not able to get one member of his own party to line up behind him? I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Uh, this is... Uh unnerving, uh, particularly here in Georgia, where uh, we are really the ground zero for democracy. Uh, the reality is just uh, a year ago, we tilted uh, the whole uh, power structure 
through this election of uh, Senator Ossoff and Senator Warnock. Right. Uh, and so for us to come back home after that defeat, after that victory is unnerving and dizzying. Reverend Blackman, what a lot of people are not talking about is in Georgia, we mobilized so that more people came out for the special election than for the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And all the more, it was millennials, the, those mm-hmm. who have been dis, disillusioned and seemingly disenfranchised. Um, and so uh, we are really in a defensive posture um, to know what we're fighting for and why we're fighting, particularly here in Georgia, how to climb on the back of uh, Dr. Moss, is that uh, we are dealing with these uh, voting rights um, uh, obstacles, not because of voter fraud, but because of voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are very clear on uh, why this is and what that means, that our Secretary of State was openly threatened by the former president. Uh, our sitting governor is now under siege because he wouldn't go with the lie uh, in the conspiracy theory. And so uh, it is not behind our backs, it's right in front of our face. And so uh, Georgia is really ramping up. And uh, I've got to uh, pause to uh, give uh, flapping accolades uh, to Stacey Abrams, who really has mobilized in a way. I'm a, a child of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And what she did, Mark, is different from what I have seen in my entire life of activism is uh, Stacy has done the mobilization in the rural areas first, not the urban ones. And most times when we're talking about voter registration, voter education, get out to vote, we immediately go to the city centers. Uh, but she has gone into those rural areas and has really mobilized uh, and uh, informed those who have been alienated and ignored. And so we now know what the blueprint is and how we have to follow it. Um, speaking of that, though, the mobilization, as we know, Georgia was was unprecedented for a special election. Um, and that was incredible work that everyone did in Georgia. Isn't the challenge, Jamal, now with without the voter protections that these laws we want the Senate to pass providing without that in place? Plus the fact, I mean, organically, many of our people are saying, what have the Democrats done to make us come out the same way we came out? in 2020 and 2021. I mean, I'm hearing that. Can can you confirm whether that is real? Are, are those the conversations that, that Georgia voters are having? Is it going to be tougher to mobilize people in 2022 under these circumstances? It's, it's going to be very daunting. Uh, and I was uh, just on a conference call this morning with uh, Dr. Cynthia Hale and right. uh, Bishop Reginald Jackson and uh, Dr. Timothy McDonald uh, really trying to see what it is that we can do because quite frankly, uh, the DNC has not delivered uh, when we did. Right. Uh, and so they're not gonna be smoke and mirrors. As a consequence, we are, are really edging to uh, have a meeting with uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris on tomorrow on behalf of the concerned clergy of Georgia. Uh, mm. to say we can't do business as usual. There, there's a lot at stake. Uh, there's a lot on yeah. the line. And so it's going to call for us some immediate redress. Uh, but I, I can't uh, lie to you, Mark. It's going to be heavy lifting. Uh, yeah. and everybody who you got uh, on this show today 
is going to be dragged into Atlanta <laughs> one way or another in the next yeah. couple of months, including you as the host, uh, to really <laughs> try to uh, amplify our efforts. Please, Reverend Tracy, go ahead. I, I actually think that's going to be true from state to state. Right. Um, Georgia absolutely is the epicenter of it all, but those messages are resonating throughout throughout the country. And from state to state, the Democratic Party is going to have to do better um, because it's going to be hard for us to mobilize people. Um, I happen to think that an incentive is not so much what we're going toward, but what we have to avoid at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's as great a motivator, even for me personally, um, that what is on the other side of not showing up is something we we have seen what that looks like and we cannot allow that to happen again. We and cannot yeah. allow that to happen again. I mean, it's unconscionable. And even watching what's happening politically in these January 6th hearings, how many of us know that if it wasn't the players that are involved, this would be over and people would be under the jail. Mm -hmm. We cannot go backwards. We cannot. Is that enough of a motivator though, um, Reverend Moss? I think we all get that, but to, to those who are just out here every day who may not sleep, eat, and drink politics like we do, it seems that they're looking for something as both Jamal and Tracy you alluded to, the, the Democratic Party to have done something something to show for it and and the risk we take when we get all get dragged to georgia is people gonna be looking at us so which you all asked us to do this before and we still don't have everything i just don't know that, that there's enough of an opportunity to educate people about what rem tracy just said yeah we don't have much from them but the alternative is far worse what do you think rem moss well i think there's there's two things here there's the democratic party and then there's the black community the black community right. you know connected supporting the democratic wow. party but the democratic party has failed in reference to local elections. What the right has done very well is when they were licking their wounds in the 80s and in the 90s in certain areas, they said, we're gonna focus on state legislators and we're gonna focus on judges. They put together their federal society and they said, we're gonna vet any person who wants to consider being a federal judge. And we have been focusing, when I say we, I'm talking about black organizers that have been connected to the Democratic Party have been focused on national elections. It, it's the state election. It, it is the county election. Right. We found out in this last election, especially in Georgia, your secretary of state can protect your democracy, even if you don't like them. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's important that these issues, I mean, they were attacking Wayne County in Detroit. They, they were attacking Philadelphia. They were attacking places where there was a large number of black people. So Fulton County became an epicenter and the changing demographics of Gwinnett and DeKalb became the epicenter. We have to realize that our vote not only is important, but we have to begin to elect people on a local level who are politically and spiritually educated to be, make sure that they have integrity and have a moral center. Uh, specifically to uh, Reverend Jamal, the voter protections that any of these bills would provide if the Senate were to pass them would also help Georgia immediately, right? Because right now, 
there's a DOJ lawsuit against Georgia. If things stay in the status quo, Stacey's election may be sabotaged for governor may be sabotaged again, right? Oh, no, absolutely, without question. And one of the conversations we're having is uh, one uh, raising the educational awareness. One of the things that we have done as a community to our own peril is that we often advance personalities and not platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we galvanize around an individual and not an ideal. Uh, one of the things that the evangelicals taught us backwards, they said, uh, we don't care what Trump does, as long as he sticks to what our agenda is around Israel and abortion, right. uh, then this is our guy and we'll readjust the gospel uh, to fit that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, we are still trying to find two Corinthians. Uh, but I think that we, we've got this <laughs> Walking in a bar, two Corinthians, walking in a bar, right. <laughs> yeah, but I think what is important um, to Tracy's point is that we've got to do an expansive re-education of the Negro about how it impacts Illinois, Maryland, uh, Missouri, uh, right. D.C., and everywhere in between. Because in the backdrop of us here in Georgia and all the more in Atlanta is uh, the looming threat of Buckhead pulling out from mm -hmm. Atlanta, which right, is a right. major tax base, and what that will do to gut the belly of the economy of this city. Also, mm. you've got to look uh, for the very first time in maybe 25 years, Atlanta has a white president of city council. Uh, and so they, they are putting things in a row uh, for our demise or for us to be caught slipping, as it were. Uh, and so while all politics is local, uh, our education has got to be national to know that uh, this is a, a, an affront on all areas in every region. Uh, in my own home state of Maryland, uh, my state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, is under siege by the governor, right. uh, who is uh, plucking away, trying to get her outing, embroiled in an investigation, uh, will tie her hands from fundraising. Yeah. Uh, and so now the people who are investigating her, Otis, if you can imagine this, are the people who ran against her last time. Uh, so it's... Uh, is who shot John uh, really yeah. in this hour. And so we've, we've really going to have to do a whole lot of education uh, and let's save the inspiration for later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think the education has got to be on the forefront of what is at stake and what is needed and necessary. Once again, though, Reverend Tracy, as, as Jamal mentioned, they readjust the gospel. Um, we're still left with the task in our role of actually um, carrying out what's real in terms of the gospel. So we we go on this hunt. We fast. That's what it happens. That ain't an adjustment. That's literally written in the book. So not only is is this um, having to do with this immediate situation uh, with voting rights, but you know also once again, are we not called to accurately interpret and exegete the word. 
Well, absolutely. Um, I, I'm one of those who happens to believe the word is on the side of justice though, right? Um, and, and what I think we have to do differently, um, that in my opinion, we don't always do well, is we have to fight on two fronts, right? So yes, to everything uh, Pastor Jamal is saying and, and, and Pastor Otis is saying about what we have to do to make sure we show up and mobilize against the fronts I was talking about, but we also have to hold the DNC accountable for showing up for us in ways that we have not. We've taken people's words that if we do our part, you're going to do your part, right? right. Um, and that is what I believe that other generations are railing against. You said it was going to be different this time. You said we were going to get this. And it's been lost after loss after loss. You know, the HBCUs didn't get what they were promised. And it, women's rights are under attack, you know. And when it comes to fighting for the things that Black people need, mm -hmm. we get gentle and we get um, political etiquette around not wanting to flex the muscle that we know that we know the other side is flexing all of the time um, right. this is completely unrelated but it, it brings me to it every time i think about it we are having a fight you know missouri is a red state uh, mm. and we're having a fight here about wearing masks and the attorney general is suing the mayor and um, the the mayor and all the representatives who are for masks is suing so that schools don't have to wear masks. He's doing that while his child attends a private school and wears a mask. Right? So racism, racism is no longer hidden. Our former president made racism the bold statement. People are not trying to act like they're after something else anymore. And we have mm -hmm. to demand from the Democratic Party, we have to have some demands up front this time. Um, yeah. That will get us able to continue to talk to people um, about the importance of not letting this shift in the wrong di direction. We need Stacey Abrams to win. Not, in, not just in Georgia, we need her to win, period. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We need to hold on to what we have and to gain more. Um, and so the gospel is on our side in that way. God is always on the side of the oppressed. The gospel is on our side in terms of health care, in terms, in terms of economic equity, in terms of everyone having a seat at the table. But God, God is on our side in terms of our voices being heard. Uh, yeah. It's not God that we're fighting, um, it's white supremacy. And yeah. we need to name it that and go after it that way. Lastly, Dr. Moss, do you do you have faith that Chuck Schumer and the Democrats will get this done before Martin Luther King Day? I have faith in in black people. I have faith in in, in our God. I, I I don't have faith in the political system the way it's structured. I do have faith that we as a community can shift the system because black people have been saving democracy since we landed here. Yes, That's what we that. have been doing. The moment wow. we landed in this country, we have been teaching America what democracy is about. Mm -hmm. There would be no public school system 
if it had not been black legislators in the reconstruction era who demanded a public school system for who? Not just black children, but all children. So our whole system of public education is centered upon black people saying that we need to have a democracy that is inclusive of everybody. But the Confederate lie, the, the, the Confederate ideal that continues to pop up is what is always being used against us. And we have to force the Democratic Party to move toward the moral center. It never, it doesn't do it by itself. So the Democratic Party has a moral center to a degree because black people are a part of it. Before, the reason the Republican Party during Lincoln had a moral center is because there was a Frederick Douglass who was pushing them to move in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. So it's not the party by itself, but black people have always allowed America to understand what democracy is when America does not want to face the ideal of democracy. Amen. With that, we appreciate you all's strength and resilience and standing up. Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III, Trinity United Church of Christ, Reverend Tracy Blackman, United Church of Christ. And in close, we're going to let him kind of give us sort of a benediction and leave us fired up and inspired. My brother, the Reverend Dr. Jamal Harrison Brand, give us some closing thoughts and some marching orders and some inspiration for our listeners, if you don't mind. I uh, received like uh, my comrades a call from uh, Reverend Stephen Green, but I was really uh, moved to do it by watching the uh, sacrifice of the Black Eagle, Joe Madison. Uh, and I was uh, frustrated and upset that one of my seniors had to lead the way, uh, that our generation really needed to step up to the plate. Uh, God is a God of generations. He introduces himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, And I want our Abraham uh, generation to know that the Isaacs are ready, uh, that it's our time to uh, take on the baton uh, and to march forward. And I say that with full delusionment as me and Otis are now over 50. Uh, but this, <laughs> I'm speaking really. <laughs> we, we, Rev. Tracy, we keep trying to fool ourselves that we the young preachers, but for those who are coming, <laughs> those who are coming behind to uh, really uh, push forward. Uh, I keep uh, saying this is the oldest, Rev. Tracy, the uh. oldest um, that our Black leadership has ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at uh, wow. Mr. Farrakhan is over 80. Mm-hmm. Reverend Jackson is over 80. Mm-hmm. Reverend Shopton is 60 plus. Maxine Waters is 81. Uh, and so this generation really has got to seize the time, seize the day, uh, and tap our elders on the shoulder and say, we got this. Uh, don't have to be weary and well-doing. Uh, we've got to move forward. And so I'm excited that the next generation uh, is holding up the bloodstained banner. Uh, we are hungry more for justice than we are for French fries. Uh, mm. <laughs> that don't <laughs> mean we won't take a fry, uh, but we are, <laughs> we realize that the nation is starving for equality, uh, and we want to pull the knives out of our backs and put right. a fork at the table so that all of us have access to voting. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. With that, a little bit about the vigil. Say it again, 
Rem Tracy. We're planning to join together on the steps of the Capitol on Sunday evening yeah. for a prayer vigil. So I wanted to make sure your audience knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 made people aware that so folks were looking at a watch night really uh, for Martin Luther King Day and hoping this gets passed. So we will keep everybody um, um, posted and aware of that. I want to thank you all for joining us, Rem Brown, particularly for singling out you and Dr. Moss as being a 50 generation. Thank you for excluding me so I can further delude people into uh, that I'm not 50 yet, even though I think I'm older than both of you. Oh, you um, <laughs> well, it, with that, I, uh, I enter my last year of the 50s, so I'm going to enjoy it. You look younger than all of us. I know. You look great, Tracy. Well, folks, thank you for being here. Okay, I appreciate everybody. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.